Hi, this is David Holmquist from Citizens Climate Lobby. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Oh, Knights of Nick, we have brought you your shrubbery. May we go now? It is a good shrubbery. I like the laurels particularly. But there is one small problem. What is that? We are now no longer the knights who say Nick. We are now the night to say, Eki, 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 Fatang, Zumpoing, Therefore, we must give you a test. What is this test, O oh knights of knights who till recently said, Ni? Firstly, you must find another shrubbery. Not another shrubbery. Then, when you have found the shrubbery, you must place it here beside this shrubbery, only slightly higher, so you get a two level effect with a little path running down the middle. A path, a path. When you have found the shrubberies, you must cut down the mightiest tree in the forest with a herring. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Fresh up. Uh, oh, I, look at this. There's a guest here in the wow. studio who's jumping right in. And he, and he claims that he's never done this before. <laughs> You've never done any radio before? Uh, just some interviews. Uh, that's it. But but not standing here in the studio no. and uh, answering questions and it's getting all, getting grilled. All new. I feel deaf with the headphones on. <laughs> Well, well, your you volume controlled. Oh, you can hear yourself, <laughs> yeah, I can okay? Hear, yeah. Because uh, one of the things that that man is going to be talking about today is, uh, okay, we need that. Bring up, bring up the uh, other the board here. Uh, there we go. You guys, you guys miss that one every week. The the one that l- lets me play this. There we go. Um, and uh, we will be talking a little bit about science on the show, maybe a lot about science, because that guy standing over there is Dave Story. He's a certified arborist from Bartlett Tree Experts, who is a uh, proud sponsor of the Mike. Well, we're proud to have them as a sponsor of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And um, um, this is our first opportunity uh, with them as our chief sponsor to have 
an arborist on the program and answer questions. So tree talk, tree talk. That's it. That's that's what we're going to do today. I mean, one of the great things about trees is they can fill up an hour like <laughs> that. I mean, and you know that, Dave. Oh, yeah. 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 You yeah. know, you get somebody and you just and you're hanging around with your arborist friends or you're hanging around with a client. And suddenly, two, three hours have passed. You go, oh, my gosh, we, we've been talking trees the whole time. Right? Yeah, I'm late for my next appointment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so give us a call, 877-711-5611. Now's the time, folks, because we're at that time of mm-hmm. year. It's the dormant season. Well, most of the time. Um, and we were talking about that, and I'm thinking today is the perfect day for you. Dave. Is it Dave or David? What do you prefer? Uh, whatever. Oh, come on. Dave is fine. Uh, Dave? Yeah. All right. Mr. Story. Yes, yeah. right. No, that's what Andrew will call it. <laughs> Andrew, spinning spin the dials. Andrew Marshall. Uh, and uh, and look at, we have a Ben Boquist sighting here, too. Wow. Um, with, the, with the chopped off hair and everything. Okay. And, of course, Ellie's here. So the whole crew is here with uh, Dave Story. From Bartlett Tree Experts, and again, 877-711-5611. If you have a tree care question, do it, folks, because when, don't, you know, it comes it's summer. and every some, day you have an arborist that you can ask. Right, and some morning. people will be panicking later on. Stump the chump. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea. <laughs> and I, I was trying to stump him uh, in the uh, hall there before uh, before we came in um, because I had a question about amelanchiers. I had one of my... Listeners write to me and say, I got an amelanch here and it's not producing enough berries. And I hear, heard that maybe you should plant another one nearby. And, and frankly, that's what I've heard. That's what, uh, you know, the folks down at Possibility Place, uh, the Connor, Connor Shaw and uh, Kelsey Shaw was the one that said to me, yeah, put another amelanch here. An amelanch here is, by the way, is a service berry. And if you don't plant service berries, Dave says the reason that you might not have is because of drainage issues, or you, you might not have heard of the plant, you might not be familiar with it. He says, you say out, out east, they're very popular. Yeah, out east and even here, uh, uh, I spend time up in the uh, sand dunes of Door County, and same thing uh, out east, uh, they can grow like weeds. Uh, mm-hmm. They love their drainage, really a kind of a gravelly, sandy soil plant. <laughs> well, you're not getting that in the Chicago area. You got you got alkaline clay soil here. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I always laugh when people say, uh, you hear these garden advice uh, shows across the country, got to add a little lime. And I'm thinking, not here. Yeah. Nobody's adding lime here yeah. in Chicago. All right. Dave Story from Bartlett Tree Experts. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. This is Peggy Malecki, and guess what time it is? It's time to start working on your spring garden indoors. The way to do that is with some seeds in your Happy Leaf Advanced LED Grow Lights. Your seedlings will grow bigger, faster, and better thanks to their proprietary technology. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA-made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases over $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. Your veggies will thank you. 
Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 15th Annual Good Food Expo. Connect with Midwest farmers and producers in the Good Food Marketplace. Learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Joe Flam. And eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Go to goodfoodexpo.org. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Wild Things is back. I'm talking about the 2019 Wild Things Conference on February 23rd at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the country, as naturalists, citizen scientists, conservationists, birders, and more converge for more than 100 seminars, as well as comedy, workshops, and goodwill, and perhaps a libation afterwards. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a media sponsor again this year. Get your tickets at wildthingscommunity.org. Hi, this is Ron Calgan from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Can I have... Okay, I need a little more here. We're still still juggling levels here. There we go. Uh, and we're very pleased to have Dave Story in the studio with us. And yes, the last name is S-T-O-R-Y, like the story. And he's uh, <laughs> he is our uh, science guy today. There we go. Now it did. Yeah. Uh, you got You got to hit the button. We'll get. We're gonna get one of those. Uh, what are, I forget what they call them, the stinger things in here, um, and it will fix this because this is. This is not normal. All right. I want to make sure that folks right away know that if they're interested in tree care, they can go to Bartlett.com. It's that simple. You type in your your zip code, and it takes you to an office nearby. You're out of the Northbrook office. Correct. Yep. Um, and you've been there a while. 25 years. And you're also an award winner. You're a, you're kind of a fancy guy you're saying here. saying I'm a winner? Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, you are. You are. A, he's a winner, folks. We got a, we got a winner here in the studio. Um, uh, tell us about that, the award you picked up. Well, 2015, right? Uh, I think it was 2016. 2016. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was uh, something that was, it was very nice, unexpected, uh, uh, really, uh, my boss got involved in that and several of my colleagues. And, uh, so yeah, I went down to, uh, Fort Worth for the first time mm-hmm. to Texas for the first time in my life. And, uh, and, uh, saw our buddy Skeet wait, wait, down wait. there. That, that was the first time you'd ever been in Texas? Yes. 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 That, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're kind state, of a provincial but, guy, yeah, aren't you? I guess so. <laughs> he yeah. avoided it for that long. Yeah. And... Yeah. I, I, I got to check that one off. 
Uh-huh. And uh, actually, I uh, liked it better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I thought Fort Worth was a great town, a good tree town, and uh, wouldn't mind going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a nice botanic garden down there. Yeah. Didn't have time, but um, it, it was uh, a lot of history. It was very interesting. And your education uh, comes out of Cornell, right? Yes. yes. Cornell University. Yep. Born, um, born which is one of the great horticultural schools in the country. There's uh, One of the things you can do, folks, is, is when you're looking up information uh, and you're looking for that science, um, a good place to go is to the various universities. And there are some really good ones that we, you, you know, and if you see a .edu, cornell.edu, you can count on it being really good information. Michigan State's another one. Ohio State's another one. Um, Minnesota, Iowa, all, all the land grant schools. Yeah, all the land grant schools and 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 what's that? U of I, U of I, University of Illinois, because we are. I'm in University of Illinois, uh, Master Gardener, uh, and um, so that's one of the things you should do when you go out searching for information. Don't go to the .dot coms. Go to the .dot edu's. That's a great place to start. And when I'm searching for information and information that I put online, that's where I start as well. And when I try to answer questions for people. Now, Peggy and I talked about, we did a talk about this last year at uh, the Chicago Flower and Garden Show about how to search for information. It kind of depends uh, what you know about the site you're going to. So if you trust the site, you're, you're probably fine. Uh, if, uh, if you're not sure, then start looking for the what are the? It's not a suffix. What is it uh, called in 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 internet land? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, domain uh, or do, uh, yeah. oh, domain edu. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is a good place to start. So tell us about your experience at Cornell. Well, that was uh, it was uh, kind of post grad, but uh, as I mentioned, I, I grew up with a couple of gardeners, and you know, I, it was probably more popular, uh, more common in, in our generation, but uh, you know, I had a large family and uh, we we grew and gathered most of our food. N- uh, nine people in the family, right? Nine people, yeah. 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 And so you, and I was looking at the information you sent me, you, you got, see, you got interested in this uh, legitimately. I, I had to, I had to figure this out later, but uh, How, what's the illegitimate way to get interested? The, in the illegitimate way is is my ne'er do well past, my, <laughs> my showbiz background, which somehow turned into horticulture. But in in your case, um, yeah, I had no choice. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah because you had family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're both your mom and your dad. Um, it, it, you s- describe yourself as the son of an agricultural economist, an agricultural economist, father, and seventh generation family fruit farming mother. Yep. yep. So how could you not go into horticulture? Well, that's what I found out. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So my degree was in psychology, but. Uh, <laughs> so I, you were trying to get out of it right away. It's proven right? useful, but yeah. I, Anyway, it was, uh, you know, all my siblings, we, we talk about how much we hated it then. And, you know, we just, we go back. We hated those, what? Oh, hated working in the gardens. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go up there with my brother in the heat of July and hoe corn and, you know, pull weeds. And it it, uh, it it wasn't a lot of fun for a young teenager. No, but, no. But, you know, you, those experiences mold us, right? And uh, so, Well, then, and they, and they 
form your adulthood and your career, which you've used uh, to move forward. And, and obviously you, you stayed with it because you've been an arborist, a certified arborist, what, for 30 years? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And my mom was a big part of that because, uh, you know, you don't grow up on a fruit farm without knowing how to preserve and can. And uh, so, yeah, we'd have a, quite an operation, you know, when we had the corn harvest going on, we'd have this assembly line and be chopping corn and blanching it and uh, mm-hmm. freezing it. And it, uh, it I, I guess, you know, we don't experience that much these days, but that was uh that was something that uh, we grew up with. Now, I wish I had done some of that in, in my misspent youth. We, we would have been glad to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, and I would have probably tried to slack off uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't so, be the only one. So the reason I, 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 I grabbed you in the hall and said, okay, let's talk service berries or amylanc here, because I figured if you had some, some information – with uh, your mom and dad and, and their connection to fruits and vegetables, I thought, well, maybe you know something about this. And you do because you're an arborist, because Ammon Lankier is a, a tree, sometimes considered a large shrub. Um, and I had uh, uh, a listener say, hey, I, I can't get berries on my Amelanchier. Um And I was thinking, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I do okay with mine. And it's, and it, and, and, one of the things that I've heard from people like Kelsey Shaw at Possibility Place is that, yeah, you should have another amelanchier nearby, which will help with the fruit production. Um, the pollination goes back and forth. And you don't want the same variety. You want a slightly different variety, but you need a variety that blooms more or less at the same time. Yeah, I suppose it would have uh, something to do if you had a cultivar. You know, I mean, if it was a, kind of the species, you might be okay with another species. Uh uh, same species, but uh, not identical. Genetics. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't. You don't run... want to clone the right next. Yeah, to right. two clones. Yeah. 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 Um, I I usually see pretty fruitful uh, service berry when they're healthy. Um, uh, I mentioned uh, that you know, uh, speaking with our other arborists as well, um, we, we find the plant sometimes disappointing in the Midwest. Um, and and usually we trace that back to poor root growth, uh, not doing as well in heavy clays, uh, wet soils, and um, th- that's hard to fix after the fact. So um, yeah, one <laughs> yeah, once you've got it in the ground, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're kind of stuck in that, and and that's why it's so important to get the planting correct and the siting. Correct. You want the right plant in the right place, as they say. And as you're pointing out, with Amelanchier, they like better draining soil. A lot of plants like good draining soils. Yes, they do. Uh, you know, you kind of uh, have to uh, work with what you've got. And we've right. got clay, and mm-hmm. and uh, some clays are better than others. And and drainage can be you know good or bad, but. Um, you do yourself a favor, and if you're putting in a service berry, it's a great plant. Um, I, I really love them, and I've grown several of them. Uh, but uh, I, I would, you know, make sure you've got positive drainage. In other words, it's not a it's not a low area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can, maybe lighten the soil a little bit. Uh, uh, I guess I would use organic matter, but uh, Whatever you can do, well, don't, but, but, don't but, plant too low. Either. Right. That is the cardinal sin, which is when you plant too low, you're, you're in 
a world of hurt. Yeah, you can you can plant high and get away with it because you can always add soil. Yeah, but once you've planted low, and and I'll tell you, when I was putting the service berry in my yard, that was I don't know five hundred pound root ball. Yeah. It was a big one. Yeah. yeah. And and you get one crack at it, basically. Yeah. yeah. You're not taking that back out of the hole. No, you're yeah. not. Yeah. And and so you you want to point it in the right direction and make sure that it's not too low because if it is too low, it's almost impossible to raise it up. Yeah. So when you're digging – well, okay, let's talk about planting trees a little bit. One sure. of the, the main things is if you're not going to plant it too low, it means don't dig the, the hole too deep Yeah. Uh, because – it's almost impossible then to fix that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, It's even, you can kind of sometimes rock them in the hole sure. and, and kind of build them up a little bit, but that's not the best way to do it. Um, you know, I would usually go a couple, an inch or two high. You don't want to go too high. You see that once in a while, but uh, just, just. Uh, but like I said, the the tree is going to be more forgiving, even if you're a little too high. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But but and it'll settle in eventually, probably. Well, well, and that's why one of the things, the other thing you don't want to do is dig the hole. You realize it's too deep. You put some backfill in it and then you put the tree in. Well, that's going to settle. That's going to settle. Because yeah. you've already loosened the soil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So now you've got to put even more backfill in to make sure it settles at grade. Yeah, yeah. It's or kind, above. Kind of like the carpentry thing where, you know, measure twice and cut once. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> plant once. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, be sure that you're not going to, um, you know, the ball may settle a little bit if you really are watering it a lot just on its own. The other thing that's so important to check at planting time is not the depth of the ball in the hole, but the depth of the root crown. Um, and, uh, you know, that's two different things. Um, you can fall into this error of thinking that's the same thing, the height of the burlap, so to speak. And these, if you're getting a, what do they call a B and B, which is bald and burlap, which is different from getting in, in a, in a container, but even container, you have to be aware of this. That's right. Exactly. So, um, uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, can be a delicate subject, but uh, sometimes those two are not the same, and you will see that the the root collar is is below ground and uh, before it's even planted. Oh, right, and, or, it, or, and sometimes we call it the flare. Yes, mm-hmm. where the tree there's a little flare at the base of the tree that the bottom of that flare should be a ground level. Okay, that's your soil level. You're talking about this, and I have experience with it, okay? I got a tree, and I was planting it for a client, and I started digging away. The, you assume when you buy it from a nursery, they give you a root ball, and that you assume that the base of the tree is at the top of the root ball. That's not true, always. Sometimes the base of the tree is buried in the root ball. This one was six inches down, yeah, okay? yeah. And you have to dig away from the top of that root ball to see where the flare of the tree is. And yeah. people assume that they can just, that's your grade level, but it's not. So, yeah. and, I'm, and it's hard to explain unless you're showing a photo mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but I've seen photos where the flare is buried six inches down, a foot down. It looks like a telephone pole. Right, and yeah. the telephone pole is coming out of the ground. You, yeah. And if you've got a telephone pole coming out of the ground, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I find most people intuitively relate really well. You know, you talk about walking in the forest preserves or something like that, where you're looking at a tree that has grown naturally in place. And we all know that wide flare when we're in 
kindergarten. We draw a tree. What do we do? We don't draw it like a telephone pole. So people well, had, a third grader does, but then when you get more sophisticated, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so you, you know, we know about that flare, but we don't know that it gets tricky when you're planting your own. Well, let me ask you a question about that. How does that happen? Why is it that the root ball can can uh, or the flare of the tree be six inches down into the root ball that you get from this nursery? Well. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to speculate because uh, there there are many different possible reasons, um, um, it, and uh, and also uh, trees can be too low because they're simply planted too low, as we were discussing before. But um, uh, and and this is, by the way, it's also true of shrubs. Um, the industry has gotten a lot better about ensuring that uh, that that root collar is above ground, mm-hmm. um, but there are still lapses. And uh, and as I say, the same is true with shrubs. It's just as important if you're planting a boxwood uh, to get that plant at the right depth as it is with an oak tree. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably more money invested in the oak tree, but <laughs> yeah. for, but for survival, it, it's really critical. Boxwood's a uh, real thin bark plant, and uh, they will struggle uh, if they're too deep. So it's not just trees. Everything's everything you want. Well, that's to good that. to know, too, that yeah. even, even with your shrubs, you need to do that. Yep. In fact... Um, we might want to chat chat a little bit about boxwoods. You and I talked a little bit the other day. Uh, Dave and I were talking about yeah, boxwoods. We saw and, a lot of and dead we, and dying. We saw some dead and dying boxwoods yesterday because they're all they're 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 lined up like soldiers along sidewalks. And the first thing that happens is all the salt gets to them in the winter here, uh, in, where we, where you have snow, and the yeah. snow blowers in, and the piles of snow, and, and then suddenly uh, all that. Uh, uh, all that foliage is dying back. And the, and as you mentioned, and we'll get to it right after the break, there's also a boxwood disease you need to be aware of. Yes. Uh, so, yes. A couple right. of them. A couple of Well, then, oh, boy, we get to talk diseases. That's Dave's story <laughs> from Bartlett Tree Experts. Go to Bartlett.com. We've got more in just a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When it comes to caring for your trees, you want the best science and the best arborists. You get exactly that with Bartlett Tree Experts. For three generations, training and education have been central to the work of this family-owned company. And Bartlett is the leader in safety. Whether it's your home or your business, Bartlett Tree Experts uses the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods. Call for a free estimate. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847 423 
888-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. We got Dave's story here from Bartlett Tree Experts. And you were telling me a story about uh, Amelanchiers. Yeah, it just happened to be the year of the uh, 17-year periodical cicada. And uh, uh, the birds were eating so many cicadas that year that oh. they, they totally <laughs> left the service berries alone. And her tree was, they were like rotting on the tree, unlike most years. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, um, and I'm we don't have to stay. I'm, we're going to get to ba- boxwoods and other trees. But uh, one more Amelanchier story is uh, I, like 12 years ago, a dozen years ago, I was uh, a, a judge for a gardening contest um, in uh, part of Chicago. And I've had the service berry in my year, and I never get a chance to eat the berries because the birds get them every year. And they'll start to eat them when they're red, when they're still bitter. And I'm not going to pull them then because there's no point. Mm -hmm. So I never get to see the berries when they turn purple, uh, maybe one or two each year. So I was judging in another part of the city uh, some gardens, and a lot of them had amelanchiers, and they were chock full of ripe berries. And and I wanted to say, hey, you birds, we're... (laughs) The birds in my neighborhood would, come, would, come really, over here. Yeah, would really appreciate And I could not understand why there were so many berries on there in certain parts of the city and not in other parts of the city. It didn't make any sense to me. Maybe they have a lot of house cats. I don't know. Uh, it could be. <laughs> or maybe there were a lot more amelanchiers. Yeah. 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 Or it's... Because I don't think there are any in my block. Yeah. I th- yeah. I'm kind of it. Now, we started talking... Ar- uh, arborvitae. No, no, let's not even get into arborvitae because uh, I, I consider arborvitae the great scourge of, of <laughs> garden design. But that's me because I'm a snob um, because everybody wants to plant an arborvitae fence and then half of them die. Yeah, for uh, a while, you were collecting photos of I still bad am. arborvitae. If you, if you have uh, arborvitae fences gone bad, send me your photo, mike at mikenovak.net. I've, I'm, I'm, I've got a collection of them. Well, I think we should get those up on the website. Take right. pictures of, of that that root collar again. Take pictures of that if you're sending them in because there's going to be a high correlation between that and how that hedge is doing. So they're planted like telephone poles. They can be, yeah. Ah, yeah. We, we radio actually, towers. Yeah, radio yeah. towers. That's a case. Who was that? That was a, a Wisconsin. Joey Baird, yeah. Yeah, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener, our friends uh, up in Wisconsin. Um, he, he said, never stack it down tight. It's a tree, not a radio tower. But even a radio tower has a flare because you got it. You got it. Yeah, right. You know, we're talking about telephone pole. That's what we're talking about. Uh, but uh, getting back to um, uh, boxwoods, uh, there there are a couple of diseases that folks need to be aware of. Yes, uh, uh, we are starting to get uh, some uh, incidents incidences of uh, boxwood blight, uh, which is uh, uh, not not the volatella blight that's been here for a good time, but uh, uh, the one that uh, we seem to have acquired from across the pond. And uh, um, now... Wait, had... wait, wait. So the Brits gave us uh, boxwood, or the Europeans gave well, us? Well, yeah, the Brits. Uh, and I'm not sure where they got it exactly, but... Um, uh, I think uh, boxwood is actually native to it's like uh, Middle Eastern or uh, it's also a, a uh, kind of a dry soil plant in its native range is the way I understand it. That doesn't surprise me because it can if it's 
grown right it survives pretty much anything it's a very slow grower you know yes. you don't expect a lot out of your boxwoods you just want it to be green yep pretty much almost mm-hmm. year round take take uh, pruning usually take yeah, it well. well yeah they do yep and uh and uh, so water is you're not necessarily doing them a favor once they're established uh you do want to run them on the dry side yeah. Uh, stay away from planting, you know, the annuals right there in the root zone. They're very shallow rooted. Um, you're going to really uh, make them susceptible to issues if you're cutting into the root system every year. And uh, plant them at the right depth. And um, uh, that that's most of it right there. And I'm I have I had two boxwoods in my backyard because I. Like most of the plants I have in my yard, I got them for free. Um, you the radio they, guy they people. In. They well, actually, they were part of this outdoor flower and garden show that Mayor Daly did in Chicago oh. in the middle of Grant Park. Yeah, we've right. had the indoor show forever, and he said one year we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna we're gonna plant some out there. I remember that. that. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. part of a, a group that put in a, a a garden, and so you could because it was under tents, but it was in a park. You could actually dig into the soil. You didn't have to pile up mulch on concrete to uh, put your plants in. Yes. So we dug stuff in. Yep. And I got a couple of box, boxwoods, planted them in my yard, and you know a dozen years later they're five feet tall and huge. And beautiful and gorgeous. Well, one of them I ripped out the other year because it's just, I'm sorry, you're in the way. Um, one of them's way in the corner. I said, you get to stay for now. But I've never had a lick of problems, and they're the most gorgeous plants in the world, and I can't remember the cultivar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's the part of the problem. I cannot remember what the cultivar is. Yeah, it's good to know your cultivar, yeah, too. Yeah, I it know. Is, that's it a, is. I'm being a bad gardener, bad gardener. <laughs> bad gardener. Well, yeah, they they can be a, a really successful mm-hmm. plant. You know, back in school, you know, we, we kind of treated them with uh, like, well, are they Disdain. hardy enough? You know, they, oh, okay. we didn't consider them reliable. Oh, But, okay. uh, you know, that's all changed. Well, wait a second. You don't consider them reliable, and that's all anybody ever buys. Yeah, it's I become mean, very popular, and it is a good plant. That uh, you use boxwoods and uh, arborvitae. It's like the big three of the the uh, the the shrub world. Yeah, kind of is. Um, you know, part of the reason for that with all three of those really is that they are pretty uh, pretty tolerant of management by pruning in terms of size. Sure, and uh, that's important on our properties. Uh, the other thing with boxwood in the suburbs, at least, is. Uh, the deer do not eat them, and so that's a big leg up over use. That's yes. driven their popularity a lot. Yeah, and uh, arborvitae, well, uh, they they some are, some aren't uh, so susceptible. But um, we, we run into you took out your big boxwood because yeah. it had just outgrown its space, right? Or you just plain planted too much. Typical gardener, and <laughs> and. Uh, um, so no, you, it, it, was, it had outgrown its space. I, I tell you, when I put it in, it was three feet tall, and suddenly it was five and five feet wide as well. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes uh, the pruners are called for, and uh, boxwood is a plant that is very tolerant of mm-hmm. pruning. Yeah, as is you. We we talked about that the other day. I've seen yous hacked back to nothing, to nubs, and they still come back. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But but part of the problem with pruning evergreens is that if you 
Some of them, if, if you're not aware of which ones have a, what they call a dead zone, which is the dead part in the middle, if you cut into the dead zone, that's not growing back, is it? Yeah, not, not, probably not fast enough for anyone. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it does. If you can leave a few buds on there and, and with use, um, you know, how many times have you seen the use overgrowing a front sidewalk or, uh, you know, just, uh, flower beds or whatever. And, and, uh, there, there is to a certain extent, you can, uh, rejuvenate those through hard cuts, um, People tend to use shears on use, and that does get you into trouble because you're, if unless you're making these deeper cuts within the canopy, you're not getting that regrowth from inside the plant. Well, people do that with everything, though, with with their shrubs, with their trees. It's because they're terrified of pruning. All right, um, and yeah, pruning, as I say, mm-hmm. uh, is a science, an art, and a nightmare. Um, for a lot of folks because yeah. they're, they're, they're terrified. They don't, they're, they're afraid to make a cut. So they nip and tuck around the edges. And what you get is what we call witch, witch's broom, all these little tiny bits yeah. of growth that yeah. come up, but you need to go back into, yeah. uh, where the branch leaves yeah. the uh, trunk. One or two things will happen. If, if you're just working on that, those outer tips, uh, you're either going to get a plant that gets bigger every year. And, and then outgrows its space, or you're going to get, as you say, this little thin canopy that is very susceptible to injury and to, you know, decline. And uh, so it's not it's not hard to do, but unless somebody's kind of taken you aside and showed you how to, you know, make those cuts. Yeah. Uh, I did it with my 10-year-old son at one point uh, on my U hedge, and, you know, you get the hang of it, and it's just not that difficult. It's but. not, but most folks just have the book, and they have the book in front of them, and they look at the book, then they look at the plant, then they look at the book, then they look at the plant, then they look at the book, and they, <laughs> and they still haven't cut because yeah. they they yeah. still are afraid to do it. And then they go it. do something else. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Go, uh, and then they nip and tuck. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we got a uh, tweet. We got a tweet from uh, Jack Jack Armstrong, the All American Gardener, um, who who said that uh, about boxwoods. He says I've stopped trying to grow them. Well, uh, and maybe that's the right decision. You know, every situation is different. So but, what are what are these blights we're talking about with the boxwoods? Well, uh, I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, they've just changed or updated the scientific name. No, they um, do that on purpose just yeah, to, to mess yeah, with us. And, and my tongue is tied, but. Uh, uh, what we have found is uh, that uh, this is more manageable than than we originally heard, and and maybe then you still will hear. Um, a lot of uh, there's been a lot of problem on the East Coast because that's where this first appeared, and uh, I think in many areas uh, where they have these historic plantings of boxwood, they really didn't have much choice. Uh, just cutting them down mm-hmm. and replacing them, they were irreplaceable. So. They were forced into uh, doing uh, whatever they could to save these plants, and mm-hmm. um, uh, there there are a lot of uh, there there is a spraying regime that might be important, uh, probably is going to come into play at least for a time. But there is a tremendous amount that can be done culturally uh, that will uh, solve a lot of problems. One of those, for instance, is changing the time that you do your pruning. Because uh, the infection uh, is usually in a little bit warmer weather. So one thing we're starting to recommend is uh, only do your boxwoods dormant or late ah. late dormant. So now would be the perfect time. Yeah, or maybe wait a month. Real Okay. Yeah. yeah. Why yeah. would you wait if it's dormant now? Um, 
there's nothing to be gained by doing it now. Oh, I, you know, and and okay. you you might get some tough weather, um, you know, and the fresh fresh cuts. Um, but um, uh, so March March would be great. It's a little more comfortable as well. See, I always I I like February because uh, I I always I say to myself, okay, when it gets to March, I'm gonna I'm gonna prune, and then March gets busy, yeah. busy, gone. and then yeah. I miss it, and suddenly it's growing again. Sure. I went, oh, I missed the window of opportunity. Yeah, maybe do your crab apples and uh, you know <laughs> maybe your shade trees, whatever else you're doing. You know that's not going to be any issue, but. Uh, you know, you probably would be fine in February. Okay, we got uh, uh, another question. This one on Facebook from uh, Nancy. She says, last fall I planted a small white oak. I might have planted it too deep. Is there anything I can do to correct it? Well, we'll give it a shot when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Are you ready to go all in for our planet? All In is the theme for the annual One Earth Film Festival, March 1st through 10th at more than 60 locations throughout Chicagoland. 28 powerful solution-oriented films cover climate change, conservation, food waste, energy, and more. They will move you and inspire you to get involved for the sake of our collective future. Don't miss the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. You can't count on the weather in this town, but when spring arrives, you can count on the Chicago Flower and Garden Show to make an appearance. March 20th through 24th, it's Flower Tales. The story grows on at Navy Pier. Once again, literature is seen through the prism of flowers, plants, and gardens. More than 20 featured display gardens, garden gourmet, daily free kids activities, the marketplace, and more. We're broadcasting live from the show on Sunday morning, so stop by. Go to chicagoflower.com for details. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Yeah, I know. It's just that the uh, it decided not to play. See, now the last time we got to sing I, again. I, I was ready. And, it's not easy being green. Yeah, well, and that was a request we had. We had that request from uh, from uh, yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave. Dave, do you have this hidden singing yeah, talent? Yeah, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> wow, and and so now this time I hit the the button and it just it just stopped. It didn't want to play. Uh, hold on. Come on. Servo on. Come on. Load, please. Uh, man, you're killing me here. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, I guess that's this, the technology. I can't use this technology anymore, right? It's like, so CDs are like gone. Oh, there we go. Wow. Okay. So if I play this, because this is what we are dealing with, which is, 
that old black Lord magic. Black magic has me in its spell. Yeah. <laughs> old black magic that you weave so well. That won't let you play the uh, CDs. All right, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Dave Story here in studio from Bartlett Tree Experts. Go to Bartlett.com. All of your tree care needs. Uh, and Dave will come out personally, no matter where you are in the country yes, or, yes. The, or the world, because you guys have offices in Ireland and Great Britain and you yes. know, in other places. But yes. you're all over the United States. So if you're listening, uh, like in State College, PA right now, uh, I know Pennsylvania, you've got some offices. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, other places uh, that are listening here might not, but, uh, eh, you know, here. But what I will say, so if you're out in... Uh, at KOTA in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, I know Bartlett's not there, but Johnson Tree Care is. And my point is, when you have a tree care need, call your local arborist. Get them to come out and do a uh, an estimate. Uh, and it's usually most, like, what, 99% of the companies will do it for free. Right, Dave? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say do a consult, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, uh, uh, I prefer complimentary because it does come at a cost. It is worthwhile. <laughs> yes. You pay and pay and pay. <laughs> it is worthwhile. But, uh, yeah, that's what we do. And uh, you never know what you're going to hear. Uh, I never know what I'm going to find. Uh, you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll hear uh, uh, from a phone call, you know, this is what's going on. And then we get out to the property and, you know, what we see is something a little bit right. different. Right. And, and my point is get a professional to come out and don't assume you can figure it out by yourself because trees are so important. They are part of the family. They're, they're as I say in the commercial, they're works of art. They're uh, all they, they're windbreaks. They're, they add uh, uh, to the value of your property. Why would you mess with that? Why would you guess? And they are guess? living beings. Yes. Well, yes, and they're living as well. Yeah. Hopefully. And, yeah. Well, well yeah. yeah. Well, you don't know. And, and a lot of people, I think, are not aware that their trees are living things. Yes, yes. Well, um, yeah, uh, uh, a lot of times, uh, as I said, uh, we'll, we'll put a new twist. And it might, it might not be as much in a technical area. It might be. Uh, it might be also in an aesthetic area. Sometimes there are aesthetic opportunities mm-hmm. on properties. And we, we get used to uh, kind of a, a joke we have is, you know, we've got to watch our guys uh, make sure they don't fall into the swimming pools because, uh, you know, we're always looking up. We're not like a <laughs> turf guy, and, uh, which has happened, by the way. And, and Yeah, but you know what? One of, I had a tree guy tell me when I had an issue with the tree and I kept looking up. He said, look down because a lot of the issues are at soil level. Quite true. Quite true. Yeah. And you figure things out that way mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so... Um, I, you know, we, I think we just bring a lot to, to the game and, uh, you know, sometimes the problem's very straightforward. You know exactly what you want and, and you're right and, uh, you know, the best way to get there. Other times, uh, we can help with that. So, uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth having an experienced arborist. All right. Let's get back to the question from Nancy. She planted, uh, uh, an oak, uh, white oak. Yes. Uh, yes. and she thinks she made tree. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Or the state of Illinois. Yes. Um, and she thinks she might have planted it too deeply. Well, what I, okay, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I, 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 I look at that and I say, well, how old is it? How long has it been in there? You know, if it's 20 feet tall, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not moving it. If it's three feet tall and the root system is very small, 
yeah, I'd probably dig it up, especially if I th- thought I planted it too deep. So what do you, you say, Dave? Yeah, well, you're right. Pra- practically speaking, uh, you, you, with a white oak, a little tough to transplant to begin with, so you're not going to want to move that around a lot. But if it's small enough you can manage, uh, that would be, I'd, I would just start over and make sure you've got it, as we were saying before, at, at ground or a little bit above, that, that being the root collar, uh, the, the flare at the base. We want to see that. Mm-hmm. If you can't see that, then something's wrong. Even if it's a little two-inch tree, uh, you should see a flare. It should widen at the base. So right. that's what we want to see above ground. Um, you can. There's a process called root collar excavation. We usually do that now with one of these uh, supersonic air tools, like a, a air spade. And we can excavate around the base and uh, on on the large tree you mentioned, if that was the case, mm-hmm. we uh, we can excavate that and well it, uh, which has been done for eons. What does that mean, to well it? Well, so we would put in a little bit of a retaining feature to get the grade right to get it at correct the at the, the base of the tree, right. So, so if the tree has shrunk down and everything else has gotten... It's high. High. And, and if we can't see that flare... Then we can, with the air tool, without doing any damage to roots or to the stem, we can excavate that uh, and get it so it's going to be able to dry out and not have those issues. And that's something you didn't have a couple of decades ago. Correct. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly about right. About 20 years ago, we started uh, using the air spades. All right. We we don't have a lot of time. Two things I want to get to very quickly. One, uh, I was driving in today. And it's about 25 degrees, and I'm thinking, oh, Dave would say this is perfect weather, winter weather for, for tree work, yeah. especially if it stayed 25 for about two more months, yes, right? Yes, that would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> why, Frozen why, ground. Why is that? Well, uh, it, you know, we, we, uh, it, it's been harder and harder to predict when dormancy will occur and, you know, when a tree is really uh, not not growing. Because you do a lot of work when the tree is dormant. Yes, and, and that's a desirable time uh, for different reasons. Um, so, uh, but that's just good working conditions. We like firm ground. There are uh, sites that we can't get into unless we have some firm ground. Meaning the ground is frozen. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frozen or dry is another possibility, sure, but, sure. but not but if, soft. But, but if it's soft, now you're compacting the soil and you're creating even more problems. Right, right. And and it, it, it can be a real disaster. But uh, And it, it is very hard to predict when we will have firm ground. Sometimes it's uh, getting a truck in there to do a job safely. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of where we're walking. You know, we, we don't want to be walking uh, on uh, perennials or uh, other flowers underneath a tree, so they're dormant now. Right. Be- People plant stuff under their trees. Now's the time you want it when those plants are dormant yeah. or not there. It's, you know, yeah. if they got a, a, a ring of impatience, well, they're, they're not there right now, so and right, now's, now's right. the time to go and work on the tree. Or And, and bulbs, you know, pretty soon will sure. have stuff right, popping right. up, right? Do so it before the bulbs come We'd up. like to do it at 25, you know, not at 40. When, you know, all and the, all the bulbs are starting to come, and then you smush yeah. all those. All right, yep. and the other thing, I got I got laughed at because uh, you wrote we might talk about pollarding trees. <laughs> I didn't <okay>? laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, Scott did. Pompadouring. Yeah. Scott trees. Jameson did, and I because I made fun of it too. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet you don't get a lot of call for pollarding. Yeah. So what is pollarding, and who would call for it? Well, uh, you're right. I would say we don't get a lot of calls for that, but we do, um, and. Uh, 
Sometimes it's in uh, kind of estate gardens where there's been an effect. Either it's just been done for years mm -hmm. or it was uh, an original part of the plan by the landscape architect or it's uh, just historically been part of the estate. Um, but uh, we've uh, recommended it in some cases. And what is it, though? Well, pollarding is uh, the process. It's an ancient process. Uh, it's been done. Uh, there are some ancient pollard. And you got like 30 seconds to tell us this, so, so make it quick. So it's a process where you prune back the annual growth every year to a, a fixed point. And which, then it, then the same length growth yes. comes out of that. So every year the tree is, the tree is pruned right. back. Dave Story, thank you so much. Bartlett.com. We'll be right back. Thanks, Mike. Captain's log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And it's always at this time of the day that I think about, okay, I was I had something I was going to mention, and I can't remember what it is. We got a few things, though. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, wanted to make sure that folks knew about the Natural Landscape Seminar by the Wildflower Preservation and Propagation Committee, the WPPC. <laughs> I... Years ago, years ago, I said, you guys got to change that name. That's just like, nobody can remember that. That's they like said, a radio station call letter. And they said, no, that's not going to happen. Because if you, if you knew what it would be like to sit in a, in a meeting and tell people that they have to change that name, no, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, but they're doing their Teaming with Nature uh, seminar, uh, and they do this every year. This is up at McHenry County College, and we love the folks uh, in McHenry County. As I always say, there's something in the water up there that makes them all great environmentalists. Um, at the Lucht Conference Center at McHenry County College next Saturday, the 16th of Feb, uh, from 8 a.m. to 3.45, I've spoken there at the Teeming with Nature Conference. That would be uh, T-E-A-M. Uh, right, exactly. Um, and uh, see, the, the, the session at 8.40 alone would would have me showing up the overlooked splendor of ants 
restoration ecology and ant biology because, and I mentioned it last week, ants are the great innocent bystanders of the garden community. They get blamed for everything. And I would grab that person, uh, Sean Menke, I would pull him aside and say, why do ants get blamed for everything in the garden? I don't know why. Ants are cool. All right. And then they've got, oh, Roy Diblick's going to be there doing the no-maintenance perennial garden. He's in the, uh, at, no, 1030. Uh, in the afternoon, Illinois wildflowers for the home garden. Chris Benda. And then Monarchs, dwindling numbers for an iconic insect. Karen S. Oberhauser. Uh, who's the director of the Arboretum uh, at the UW-Madison and D- Department of Entomology. So uh, this is a great, uh, uh, a, a great seminar. And uh, let me see where the, uh, the website is. Um, Got to be on here someplace. Well, there's an email, the WPPC <sighs> at Hotmail.com. Nobody's going to send an email. You want a website. That's I what you want. I'm not seeing. I don't see a website. Hey, you guys didn't put this on here. So I'll uh, see if I can find it. Yeah. So we'll do that. Um, And then enter the microcosm I saw you were looking up. Yeah. Our friend Michelle Hoffman. That is Wednesday, February 20th from 7 to 9. That again, coming up at the Gorton Center in Lake Forest. Um, It is microcosm, which is Michelle Hoffman's film. Yeah. Uh, And or TV show. Kind of depends on where it goes. But it's about all the little critters in our oceans and our waters. Uh, and she's been working on this since 2013. So she, she's going on six years. Wow. Yeah. And I, you, you can go to Facebook, enter the microcosm and find that. Yeah, information. That, that's the easiest place to go yeah. is go to microcosm on Facebook and uh, and find that information from Michelle Hoffman. So I want to make sure folks know about that, too. And let's see what else. Coming up on the show next Sunday, February 17th, garden writer Teresa Spite is joining us in hour one. Yeah, I think it's Spate. Spate? Uh, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I know one of the things I wanted to say um, is I got an email. Uh, I saw a newsletter from my alderman, Roberto Maldonado, 26 Ward in Chicago, who is going to vote against the Lincoln Yards TIF and the Lincoln Yards uh, proposal. And I'm so proud of him. Give that man a ding. And so I posted that on his Facebook page, and he wrote back to me. <laughs> he went, "Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm dead set against it." And I thought, "Great!" So we got about ten votes now, something like that. There's got to be more, but probably up to the, around twelve. There is a rising tide against the Lincoln Yards as it stands right now. As we all know, they're going to try to ram it through before the uh, the uh, mayoral elections, which are going on right now. And I got to tell you something. I, I still don't know who to vote for. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. And you're lucky you don't live in Chicago because I know who I'm not going to vote for. And there's a huge list there. <laughs> that list is growing. That list is huge, especially people who like get my buddy like Ben Jarofsky kicked off the air. People like that. Yeah, those people are not going to get my vote. Um, but uh, that is coming up. But the uh, Lincoln Yards are going to try to ram through. And I'm hoping that if, if we need 26 Alder critters to stand up and say no this is not going to happen and i have no idea whether Mm -hmm. that's going to happen because it's a hey massively corrupt body okay it just massively corrupt uh we know some of the good ones but uh congratulations to alderman maldonado for standing up and saying no 
we're not going to to do this. We, we need to rethink that, and we'll be talking more about that on the show. Uh, coming up next, uh, uh, this is something you might have heard last week on Playtime with Bill Turk and Terry Kendall. Um, and we're, we've got an event coming up on Tuesday that Peggy and I are going to be part of, although we're, we're sort of behind the scenes in this. We're the tech crew. It's, it's weird. What can I tell you? It's just the whole, the way the whole thing turned out, but, uh, <laughs> we've got Josh Richards and Jessica Chipkin to talk about, uh, a film called Eating Animals, which is happening Tuesday. Uh, we'll tell you more about it coming up. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Mike Novak. Admit it, you're already jonesing for fresh tomatoes. You've even thought about growing them indoors, but you're not sure how. Happy Leaf LED to the rescue. Their website has how-to videos about planting your indoor garden, including tomatoes. The secret is their fantastic grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA made, available in three sizes. Go to happyleafled.com and do some video binging. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. When it comes to caring for your trees, you want the best science and the best arborists. You get exactly that with Bartlett Tree Experts. For three generations, training and education have been central to the work of this family-owned company. And Bartlett is the leader in safety. Whether it's your home or your business, Bartlett Tree Experts uses the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods. Call for a free estimate. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. From boat... doorstep you can have the best in premium and sustainable alaskan seafood right here in the midwest sitka salmon shares is an alaskan community supported fishery or csf comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast alaska they're supported by four thousand csf members and you can be one too sign up at sitkasalmonshares.com to receive fresh alaska salmon whitefish and more in shares ranging from three to nine months use promo code mike novak 18 for 25 dollars off go to sitkasalmonshares.com Wild Things is back, and good grammar has not went. We're talking about the 2019 Wild Things Conference on February 23rd at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the country as naturalists, citizen scientists, conservationists, birders, and more converge for nine hours of seminars, comedy, workshops, and goodwill. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a media sponsor again this year. Go to wildthingscommunity.org. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Still seems a little hollow there, Andrew. Okay, maybe it's just me. I'll back that off. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're uh, here to talk uh, today about a uh, an event coming up on Tuesday that uh, the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is proud to be a, a sponsor of. Uh, Crate Free Illinois has put together... A uh, an event. It's a screening. It's a screening and uh, a fundraiser, uh, and the screening is of a film called 
eating animals. Now, eating animals has actually been out since uh, 2017, and uh, it's based on a book that was written in uh, 2009. So this is not uh, that particularly new, but it is a very well-done film, and uh, folks might want to be a part of it. So, uh, and, and I understand the, uh, the the reservations are growing well, uh, so I want to bring into the studio uh, Josh Richards, uh, who is a grassroots coordinator for the Chicago uh, Humane League. Uh, Josh, welcome to the studio. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Awesome. On the phone is our buddy Jessica Chipkin, and I hope you have a bird in the background, Jessica, because I, I'm not comfortable unless there's a bird squawking in the background. Well, I actually moved into another room, but I'd be oh. happy to move back into the bird room. <laughs> that's fine She's, with um, me. very loud. Uh, and, and that's what's okay. Her, what's her name? Brody. 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 And yes. that, is that a, now that's a, a parrot? Yes, it's a parrot. All right. A baby parrot. <laughs> so are baby parrots louder than adult parrots? Well, they tend to be, they tend to scream more frequently. I think, I think it's, I think it's more like that. It's just more frequent and maybe louder. It's hard to tell at this point because I'm going deaf. <laughs> you know, if you, if you work in radio, the same thing happens as well. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 yesterday we were at uh, the uh, Urban uh, Livestock Expo that uh, Advocates for Urban Agriculture put together, and we were looking at quails and ducks. Maybe you want to consider having one of the quails. Quails. I have to tell you, they're very quiet. Their 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 call is very very quiet. We we interviewed one literally. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I like the noise. It's, it's, I, I enjoy the, no, the noise. Well, the, there there was a cockatiel that did take over the conversation during her presentation. Yeah, right. There was a cockatiel that was very, very loud. So, they tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's great to have you guys here. I know last week you were on the show with Bill Turk, who's going to be the uh, MC for the evening. He's the uh, the moderator of the panel. And you have a terrific panel of folks who are going to be there at this screening mark ayers from the humane society which is different from the humane league yep how are how are they different could you explain that to me josh yes so the humane society is a much larger organization that covers a a much broader scope of animal issues so the humane society works not only in farm animal issues but in domestic animal issues um, exotic animals and sort of across the board what the humane league our exclusive focus is on farm animal issues oh okay, okay. good now that's good to know uh ilana braverman uh who's uh, from farm forward and they worked with uh the author of the book uh who was jonathan uh saffron four uh who who put uh eating animals together in 2009 and he worked with farm forward uh and, and- yeah and he's actually on their board too uh, great. Uh, Cliff McConville, who's a farmer at Allgrass Farms, who uh, we've spoken to before uh, when uh, we did a panel last year, um, and uh, he was on that panel. Uh, we went out to um, uh, Na, right? Is that the, the, the Nana. name? Nana. Nana. I was like, Nana. Nana, 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 Nana. Hey, hey, goodbye. Uh, Right, in Bridgeport where we had a thing. And, of course, Josh will be there and Jessica will be there. And as I mentioned, Bill Turk. Now, last last week you guys were on Bill's show. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not going to play any goofy songs about meat. All right? I don't have any beer here to so josh if you came in expecting a little treat for the morning it ain't happening all right 
uh, you know, I, I hope you brought some coffee or something. He's got or his some, water over there. He's got right. his water. So good for you. Uh, is that That's it. That's as far as we go. <laughs> Andrew didn't here. bring the donuts again. And there's morning, no so. donuts. I mean, this is just sad. This is just a really sad, sad little radio show this morning, except it's a it's a great, great uh, organization that uh, you have. And, and, you know, and it's I was I was looking at Jessica at information about Crate Free Illinois. Um, and it's hard with all the stuff you've done to remember that you're not that old. The organization really is not that old, is it? No, it's about three and a half years old. But the other thing that's really key and that dif- differentiates us from the Humane League a lot and the Humane Society and Farm Forward is that we're all volunteers. So I'm, I'm sure I know these other organizations have volunteers, but every most everybody, including myself, has a day job. So we kind of do this at night, and I mean on the weekends. So that that is more challenging, but it's just it it, it just amazes me. I'm just so proud of our group. Well, you know that's that that can be a badge of honor, <laughs> and and having worked uh, for no money so many times in my life, I understand I understand <laughs> where that comes from the the need to do that. Boy, isn't it nice though if you can pay people occasionally? Mm-hmm. But and that's why you have to have this fundraiser. You've got to get folks aware of your mission and the missions of all these other groups, uh, which are incredible missions, uh, and the idea. It, we should we shouldn't have to fight to treat animals humanely. That just seems beyond the pale. Uh, and, but, and be punished in our fight sometimes. Yeah, well, and that's that's part of it too. Is that uh, one of the things you learn from this film? If you watch eating animals, is a uh, there are some unspeakable conditions that animals uh, are, are put through, especially uh, farm uh, animals that are used for our food. You know, we protect our cats and dogs to some degree, and there's still idiots out there who 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 take advantage of them. But for the most part, we're really good about that. But when it comes to farm animals, not so much. Uh, but what you also learn, and this is the part that is stunning and hits you in the forehead like a ball-peen hammer, is that if you fight for the rights of animals— you're going you've got now you've just put a bullseye on your on your back and on your front on both sides and probably on your forehead as well uh because people will come after you and the people who and and I know this because I know people in this industry I know people I've talked to on this show we don't talk about it on the air that much but they'll pull me aside and they'll say afterward you know so and so's coming for me and and that group is coming for me and and my life has really gotten hard and and I get I get threatening letters and I get emails and uh and that's the stuff that really makes me angry is that look you know it's bad enough that you're mistreating animals and then you're going to go after the people who are trying to fix that system that's a problem and this is pointed out in this film not you know it's not the focus of it but Jessica, one of the things you learn in watching this is that the folk, the people who are the focus of this film, the, the the whistleblowers, their lives were blown up pretty much by being whistleblowers in this film, weren't they? Yeah, and and one of the the farmers too. Um, yeah, it talks about how certain farmers get a lot of farmers get to a certain point where they're contract farmers, 
um, like a Purdue contract farmer or a Hormel contract farmer, and they really get fed up with how that system changes their entire lives. And Craig Watts is a perfect example. He's in the movie. He's been in several movies. Yeah, he has um, been. He's been on this yeah, show. He was like, on. He was on with the show with us last week. And, and let me just say, he's my hero. Craig Watts yeah. is, and he's a hero to a lot of people. He's 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 my hero as well. Uh, and I'm just so uh, happy that somebody like him, and you and you can see the 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 video that's taken of him and film taken mm-hmm. of him when he was doing the chicken raising, and now he's he's out of that racket. Oh yeah, he he works for um, SRAP. Now, I mean, oh, right, right, yes. He's like gone to the other side, and he <laughs> he was like the number one whistleblower of all time. He, I think, actually, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he actually had a get um, witness protection because uh, it wouldn't surprise. Well, yeah. he was whistleblower insiders 2015 whistleblower of the year. Yeah. All right, and and that if that doesn't put a target on your back, I don't know what does. Uh, yeah. Well, I just want to tell people that coming to this event won't put a target on their back. <laughs> no, 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 you, no, no, folks, folks coming to this don't have to worry about that. I'm talking about the people though who, yeah, ma- who I know make you it are. their on the front, they're on the front line, right? Who make it their life's work, like you, Jessica, like you, Josh, mm-hmm. like Craig Watts, like the other folks in the film, and then there are the folks like the the turkey, and I forget the name of the guy who raises the turkeys. Jessica, what's his name? Do you know? I forgot to. I'm sorry. She forgot. I forgot as well. Oh, okay. And he's a, a subject of the film, and he's a lot of the film. And w- and what's so fascinating about what he says, he's raising these uh, heritage turkeys. And you say, well, why would you raise something to be killed? And his response is, if I don't raise these birds, these species go extinct. That's Frank Reese. Frank Reese. Okay. And 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 we're at that point where we can't even maintain our species unless we eat them. That's and and you look at his birds and they're healthy and they're strong and they're not like the birds that you're eating every day and the meat you buy in a supermarket uh and 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 I know how people would respond to buying a turkey from Reese. They'd say, "Oh, that's just too expensive. I can't really afford that." But if you look at the way he raises mm-hmm. them compared to the way uh, turkeys are raised, other and chickens and and other birds are raised. You would say, yeah, I want, I really do want to p- to spend a little bit more. Josh, you're nodding about yeah, that. I mean, so one of the, one of the huge issues we have, one of the huge issues uh, that we have with the current uh, breeds of birds, particularly. So there's around 250 million um, turkeys killed each year. Is that they can't reproduce naturally. So, you know, we see in this film that there are birds that can reproduce naturally and don't need to, you know, go through artificial insemination. But we also see that they're bred, the, the vast majority, over 99% of the, the birds, the chickens and turkeys that we eat are bred to go grow so large so quickly that they can die of organ failure at, you know, five weeks of age, which is they're, you know, a baby at that point still, which is pretty remarkable when you yeah. think about it. Their legs in some cases, can't even support yeah. that they have way. Deformities. Yeah, and they, they can't even reach their drinking water, so they can die of thirst. So it's it's a system that when you pull, and they've people, been genetically bred to yep. be like this. We've done this on purpose. Yep. And when you pull people on these issues, basically everyone agrees. Oh yeah, this is terrible. No one no one wants this sort of system. But the issue we come into is the you know the poll numbers say one thing, and then the actions say something different. So it's about informing and educating the consumers 
to know, you know, sort of what happens when you have animals on your plate mm -hmm. and how to approach fixing those issues and coming together and actually coming up with real solutions. So this film uh, is put together. Uh, I was thinking about Peggy and I talked about this yesterday. We were going to the Advocates for Urban Agriculture event and we got to talking about the film and I had a very strong response to it. Uh, but I've seen other films like this and you have a strong response to all the films. And my question was, how many, how many of these films can you make? <laughs> and I guess the answer is you have to keep making them until people start paying attention to them. And this one is really well done. It's excellent. It's, it's beautifully shot, uh, really uh, well executed. Natalie Portman is the narrator. So provides obviously some solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, but it's hard to watch. Yes. That's the bottom line. I mean, even as, as well executed as the film is, they, you, ha if you don't put certain segments in there, certain film clips and video clips in there, you don't get how bad the yeah. situation, you cannot just describe it because you have to see it. Yep. It's the only way it's impactful is by showing those. And things. I'm, and I'm last night had some of these images going through my head and I'm thinking, oh, why do I want people to see this? Well, I want them to see this so they know what they're doing, how to make an informed choice uh, in their lives. Um, and I'm and I and I and I and I think folks will find you know. And I'm not telling people don't look at the film. I'm just talking about the reality of it. Um, and uh, uh, Jessica, uh, uh, I I don't even know what the question is when I when I come to that. I just say. Wow, it's it 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 really has an impact, and obviously that's why you started Crate Free Illinois. Yeah, actually, I mean, this one does have some of those. This one isn't particularly explicit compared mm -hmm. to several of the others right. we've seen. And actually, the thing that motivated me to start Crate Free Illinois is that I saw an undercover video shot at a Walmart um, hog production facility, and that's the thing that really. It really motivated me to do it because the, a few days after I saw that, I was in Walmart and I saw a woman standing online behind me and she was buying pork. And I was thinking, oh, that video. But ironically, she was also wearing a T-shirt about an animal rescue that she worked for. And that's when it kind of hit me. Like, here's a woman that's an animal lover and she's literally buying into this system and has no idea what she's buying. There's a complete disconnect between yeah. what she grabbed off the shelf and the fact that it was an animal. So long story short, I waited for her, and very true to my personality, I caught up with her and walked back to the parking lot with her and uh, had a long talk with her, told her about the video, and I don't know if she went home and tossed that pork or, but I do know, I'm, I'm going to talk about this on Tuesday, but I do know that I made an impression on her, and that really kind of was the light bulb in my head. It's like, people need to know about this, especially animal lovers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so you have folks coming in this Tuesday, uh, the people that I, I mentioned before. It's going to be a great panel discussion. You see the film, and then you talk about solutions. How do you move forward? How do you become an enlightened consumer in How do you raise awareness in the age of factory farms? Um, and I even put a couple of links uh, on my blog at MikeNovak.net uh, that give sort of a bigger picture to the whole thing. It's all about monopolies and the corporatization of 
uh, agriculture. All right, we're going to talk more. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. Over 8,000 chemicals are used to turn raw material into clothes, many of which are toxic to the environment, local water, and the workers who handle them. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Consumer demand for cheap, fast fashion has created clothing that is produced in third-world sweatshops by employees working in unsafe conditions for less than a fair wage. Here are some tips for having a more eco-friendly and conscious wardrobe. Buy organic cotton. Producing just one T-shirt made from traditionally grown cotton takes a whopping one-third pound of toxic pesticides. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Rock the vintage green divas and dudes. Consignment is cool. Go vegan for accessories. Many designers are creating animal-friendly bags, belts, and shoes. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not-so-serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. And the question of the day... Whatever happened to Cheryl Crow? <laughs> I don't know. She's out there. Uh, she's out there somewhere. Yeah. Every day is a winding road, as we find out on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Very pleased to have Jessica Chipkin on the phone. She's the founder and president of Crate Free Illinois. Josh Richards, uh, grassroots coordinator for uh, the Humane League in Chicago, is with us in the studio. We're talking about an event that is Tuesday. Uh, I understand there's still tickets for the screening and the fundraiser of eating animals. Is that correct, Jessica? Yes, there are, and I'm not just saying it. They are going fast. We're almost at capacity. <laughs> well, no, that's good. I'm really... Oh, yeah, and- no, and I do encourage people to buy it online. They'll save a little bit of money. And um, once we're there, uh, the, the room literally holds 100 people. Um, we're close. 
So mm-hmm. it, if you don't buy your tickets and you do come, you have the opportunity to get tickets, but no guarantee at that point. And it's at uh, Dovetail Brewery, 1800 West Bell Plain in Chicago. So those of you who are in the city, it's it's convenient. And Josh, that's where your beer will be. It's not here. I don't I don't have anything for you here today. I'm telling you, there's no beer in the studio. You can wait two hours and Bill Turk will be here, and he'll he'll probably bring right. uh, something in. Uh, just put the link up if you're watching on Facebook Live to order the tickets. Uh, great, we got we got the link there. Okay, uh, on the phone, we are very pleased to uh, and very lucky that uh, the chores worked out well. This morning, we have uh, an old friend of the show, Chris Peterson, who's not just a friend of the show. This is a mover and a shaker. You, you actually, you're a troublemaker, is what <laughs> is what you are, Chris Peterson. Um, he has uh, been fighting for uh, farmers for a long, long time. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, Chris. Well, thank you very much. We got a little warm snap going here now. So after the show, we got to get outside and catch up for the next round of cold. Um, <laughs> got down to 31 below a few days ago and a high of 20 below during the day. Ooh. So, um, but And that's in all I- the pigs are fine. Yep. Iowa. Yeah, um, just so folks know, you're where in Iowa are you located, Chris? Yep, Clear Lake, Iowa, halfway between Minneapolis and Des Moines on the Iowa side. So, uh, and uh, and and like I said, Chris is a guy. He, he's been on sixty minutes. He's he. Uh, I understand. The other day, you had a presidential candidate come to town, and you're firing questions at Cory Booker. What was that all about? Yeah, I. I you know, Cory Booker, I've known him a while. I've been in this fight for 25 years, so I kind of know a lot of people. And um, Booker introduced legislation last summer on the checkoffs. Uh, you can look up the bills. We got 38 votes regaining, and this year going to be reintroduced new Congress. So mm-hmm. looks far more promising. Um, I gave him the business about the confinement issues in this country and in his seven eight minute response it was a home run for our side and you know a couple of the things he said people can't stand to live in their houses they can't even hang their clothes out the line i mean you'd swear the guy read our book on confinement so i'm very pleased um he's the first one this cycle i've you know, question in front of, oh, this time about 150 people. And I'm looking to get after the rest of them. You know, it's Iowa and it's caucus season. Well, uh, that's that's very interesting because one of the things that um, I'm interested in is the candidates who get the issues. I I read a really interesting article, our friend Karen Hudson with Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water, sent me this this fascinating story um, about uh, the candidate who almost unseated Steve King in Iowa. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, he he lost by like three percentage points. And this is uh, this this the uh, district should not have even been in play. Mm-hmm. And the way he did it is he went into the rural areas, because it is a rural area, he went into all the counties and he said, 
okay, how are you guys doing here? Do you, do you feel like you're doing well as farmers? Are you making money? Is, is, is everything turning out okay for you? And, of course, they say, well, no. And he said, well, here's why. And we've got all these monopolies, and they're squeezing you on the end where you purchase stuff, and they're squeezing you on the price end of what you're producing. And you're sitting there taking it, and maybe it's time for you not to take this anymore. And part of that monopoly leads into the whole idea of factory farms. If you got a factory farm, and, and, and let's face it, these corporations are making money hand over fist, and they don't care about the average farmer. It's still that whole get bigger, get out mentality, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, absolutely, and that's my congressional district. Unfortunately, I have King as my congressman. Oh, dear. Yeah, and and J.D., um, I was advising him uh, throughout, even before he announced he's a good friend of mine. So I hope this guy doesn't go away on us. Um, You know, I hope he runs for something here in the future. And the, the guy is quick on his feet and smart and knows issues. J.D., what what was his last name? Uh, Shulton. Shulton. S-H-O-L, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I didn't realize, see, and I should have figured you were advising him, okay? That, that, and that's okay, yeah. and that's what we call smart politics, mm-hmm. okay? All right, and, and, and it's, the point I'm making here is that it's all connected, and so now you got to get the big guys, you got to get the Cory Bookers to understand the situation, you got to get the Shultons to go out there and say, "Hey, listen, I know what's going on. I live here. I understand what what how you're being squeezed, and at the same time you're being squeezed as a farmer. We're creating these horrific conditions on these farms that everybody." that the people who are not on farms, the people who are in the cities and in the urban areas need to know about because they would change their habits and that would change everything as well. So in that way, uh, it's it's all connected. And Josh, you're nodding about that as well. Yeah. And, you know, if you think, you know, back in the 1930s, a quarter of the U.S. population worked in agriculture. And today it's less than one percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've had this huge shift where these family farms have basically disappeared for the most part, like by and large. And these mega corporations basically are producing all the food. And I think another thing that's really important to think about, you know, Chris talked about these confinement issues, is if we both work at the legislative level and the corporate level, that's like a great one-two punch. Because if you get corporations to make commitments to sort of stop using some of these, uh, some of the worst abuses of animals in factory farming, what you do is you sort of undermine their lobbying power when legislation comes up. So when ballot initiatives come up. And so if you don't have these huge corporations, your, you know, McDonald's having lobbying power against your legislation, it's much easier to get that legislation passed. Because as we've seen in Massachusetts and California, Mm -hmm. there's huge support for these sort of things. Well, but that's, you know, and that's the hurdle to overcome uh, is the money, the money that gets thrown at just the raw power and the raw money that gets thrown at this to protect the status quo. And as, and this is why we have billionaires coming out and say, Hey, you can't tax us. Uh, uh, even though you like my coffee, uh, I don't want you to tax me because I'm a billionaire and that's, you know, end of story. And we have to say, no, 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 no. That's not the way America works. And, and we don't want you to report on it. So we're going to put an ag gag law in. Right. Right. Uh, an ag gag law, right. uh, Chris. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Iowa's ag gag was repealed a few weeks ago. Cheers on really? that one. In uh, Illinois, in Iowa? Iowa. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yep. great. Great. And well, you know, you look at. Other point. I was just going to say, you look at this film. You look at the uh, at at uh, eating animals, and there's uh, over and over 
there's these scenes where the folks will be driving and they're on a public highway and they're taking photos and then the menacing truck comes up and sometimes it's somebody with a badge, but it's not really an official badge. It's sort of a, oh, it's the badge of the company. And they're like, what are you doing here? You can't be doing this. And then they say, well, what gives you that authority? And nobody's given them the authority except if you pass an ag-gag law. And all basically, if you ask me, all ag-gag laws are unconstitutional because they violate the First Amendment, period. End of story. But, yeah, and I think another point is that the success of the factory farm system really relies on what happens be happening, what happens behind closed doors, stay behind closed doors. I mean, it's the secretiveness of it because if people knew what was going on in there, the the whole situation would be different, and that's part of the problem. And things like deceptive labeling and on packaging really feeds into that. I'm not going to name the brand, but there's one particular brand of milk. Where the you know where it's sunshine and a cow out in a pasture. I mean, it just it re, it survives because it's secretive. Yeah, you know, you in terms of buying what they call organic products, especially milk, you got to do your homework because a lot of them call themselves organic. But uh, go to Cornucopia and look at their list and some of the others and get get familiar. Yeah, same with eggs and the labeling on that. Yeah, yeah. There's like so. There's no legal definition of free range for egg laying hens, for example. Right. So it's, it's a marketing term, basically. It's Byzantine. Is what it is. Yep. It's really hard. All right, let's. We want to take a quick phone call here because uh, we got Christine who called in from Lagrange. Christine, you're on the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki, and you have a, a very interesting question. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, quickly, I've listened to your show forever. Okay, and I know they're <laughs> short on time, so let me just say this: I have never heard anybody mention this, and there is to be for brevity. Brevity. I have never ever. I mean, there's nobody who loves animals more than I do. I have tried everything. I am allergic to practically everything except for meat, fruits, vegetables, and goat milk, beans, you name it. I'm allergic to all. I tried to be a vegetarian for two months. I got really sick. So that's my question. What <laughs> is, I, I buy my meat from the farmer. I find out from him where it's render, rendered. He said it's not that far from where the farm is. Central Illinois, but it just kills me that I'm eating meat, and I'm my children are grown, and I think is my life worth all the the animals? And I'm not suicidal by any means at all. I'm not depressed, but it's always on my mind. Yeah, well, I I, I totally get it, and I and, and and very quickly, I think you're doing it right already. I mean, if you can't eat those vegetables. Uh, then you have to I go. can eat vegetables, fruits, and meat, and goat milk. Oh, but you can't, okay. Anything what, else I can eat. Like what you cannot you eat? Anything that would be a proper vegetarian diet. I can't eat Nuts, grains, seeds, I can't grains. eat beans, okay. I can't eat pasta. All right, uh, we're running out of time here, but what I would say, and it sounds like... Uh, you're already doing it. If you know where your, your your meat is sourced, that's the first step. That's a great first step. I'll tell you what, we're going to come back. Rick DeMaio is going to be here in a second, but we'll give more information about this before we leave. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. The Midwest's premier environmental film festival is back with a question. Are you all in? Are you prepared to make a difference for the sake of your children and their children? The 8th Annual One Earth Film Festival returns March 1st through 10th at more than 60 locations throughout Chicagoland. 
Choose from 28 powerful films. Meet the filmmakers. Talk to like-minded people. You can even volunteer for the fest. Now is the time to go all in. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. We all love our pets, but do you ever stop to think that farmed animals are deserving of love and care, too? The Mike Novak Show is teaming with Crate Free Illinois to present a screening of the award-winning film Eating Animals on February 12th at Dovetail Brewery in Chicago. A panel of farmers and activists, moderated by Bill Turk of Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall, will explain how you can make simple, humane choices in your everyday life. For tickets and information, go to the Crate Free Illinois Facebook page. If spring is right around the corner, so is the Chicago Flower and Garden Show at Navy Pier. From March 20 through 24th, the world of literature springs to life at Flower Tales. The story grows on. There are display gardens, culinary demonstrations, kids' activities, potting parties with William Moss, the garden boss, even craft beer tasting and nightly live music. It's all designed to educate, inspire, and motivate the next generation of gardeners. Once again, we're broadcasting live on Sunday morning. Go to chicagoflower.com. Celebrate local, sustainable, humane, and fair food at the 15th Annual Good Food Expo. Connect with Midwest farmers and producers in the Good Food Marketplace. Learn from chefs like Erling Wu Bauer and Joe Flam. And eat delicious food in the Good Food Court. Entry is free with online registration. The Good Food Commons is back, as is Test Your Soil. Good Food happens Saturday, March 23rd at the UIC Forum in Chicago. Go to goodfoodexpo.org. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Mulkey. We're in we're in phone hell here. Okay, uh, we get we're allowed to have two lines. Peggy, did we not contribute to uh, the what charity? I did we not? Con- or, to or bring s- the quarters to was, into the box. This was morning. there an alderman here that we needed to pay off? That's all right. So we we let Christine go because uh, we got your question. Uh, Josh, I wanted. Why don't yeah. you jump in with it and answer to that? Yeah, I would say so. From our perspective, we should work to um, eliminate animals from our play, uh, plates as much as possible and is practical. And so, I think <clears throat> if someone has allergies that makes this difficult, mm-hmm. I think Christine is doing the absolute right thing by doing the most she can um, from her specific context. Yeah. And that's you really can't ask any more. No. From any individual person. Yeah. So I think what Christine is doing is actually amazing. And I think she should feel great about what she's doing um, because ultimately we all have our own individual sort of things we have to deal with. And if we're, you know, unable to go the full way, that's just the way it mm-hmm. is. And doing the most you can, you can't ask for more than that. Right. You can't beat yourself up yep. if you're already trying. And that and that's the point I want to make to you, Christine, if you're listening. And obviously you're a longtime listener and I really appreciate that. Uh so uh, you, you, at some point, you got to let go and yep. just say, I'm doing what I can. It's, and, and it's about that with everything in the world. Uh, you just do what you can at the moment. Uh, and if you're not changing the world right then, that's that's OK. That's really OK. But you are because you are a little yep. bit at a time. And I'd also quickly say, like, feel free to reach out to the Humane League. Feel free to reach out to me. We help mm-hmm. people make this transition. And we, we have like lots of great people that, you know, also have allergy issues that can help work you through that stuff. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Just, Jessica, did you want to add anything to that? I didn't hear the question. What's that? 
I was unable to hear the question. All right. Well, we we handle it. Uh, is Chris gone? Oh, too? Yeah, is, Chris, is Chris there? Chris, are you there? Yeah, I'm uh, I mean, you're a guy who uh, who understands how to raise uh, animals humanely, so uh, you know what Christine's dealing with. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I do antibiotic-free Berkshire, traditional non-confinement, and I'm a farmer, and we have our own pork, beef, eggs, uh, our daughter raised chickens and cows. But by local, by sustainable, and on top of that, we, the wife and I, we eat half the meat we used to. And so we feel it's healthier and we're getting older. And, you know, America needs to wake up. And, you know, the disease factor, the getting, you know, the heavyweight factor, everything else. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, and, and I agree. Uh, you, you just cut back go in the right direction and you're and you're already helping solve the problem so that's all i would say about christine uh uh, chris peterson thank you so much go back to doing your chores i know you got to get back on the farm there thank you so much for calling in and thank you for all of your work uh really appreciated jessica chipkin uh, thank you so much for a crate free. Uh, and uh, again, the event is this Tuesday at Dovetail Brewery. It's at 630. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net, or go to CrateFreeIllinois.org uh, and uh, find out that, you know, either uh, or go to .org or go to the Facebook page or whatever. But they're, they're selling out quickly. So you need to get your tickets mm-hmm. now. Uh, Josh Richards, thank you. And I, you know, I'll see all of you guys yeah. on Tuesday. Peggy and I will be doing your tech for you. So. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, thank you Peggy. All right. Thank you. Uh, we cut in Rick DeMaio's time a little bit. Josh, you can hang out here if you want. Uh, Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Good morning. We're we're looking. Good morning, I'm, Mike. Good morning, Peg. How are you? Okay, I'm looking at the weather. I was talking to our arborist earlier in the day. Uh, Dave Story was here from Bartlett uh, Tree Experts. Go to Bartlett.com, and um, and I talked to him, and I said, "This is the perfect day. This is a winter day, right now. 25 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not crazy little weather. A little bit of snow on the way. Yeah, right. A little bit. Looks like, and this is the kind of weather you do your your tree work in. And as he said to me, if if I could get 20 or two months in a row of 25 degree days, uh, I can get a lot accomplished. And the problem is that that's not going to stay that way. Is it Rick? Well, no, I mean, the only thing that we're going to see at the 25 degrees is going to be, uh, combined with a little bit of snow coming through this afternoon. Uh, not as much as we earlier thought the system is kind of getting sheared a little bit. Uh, maybe an inch, maybe an inch and a half. So we're lucky that's going to start somewhere around the noontime hour because it's south of us, probably 1230 to one o'clock on the north side of Chicago, maybe 132 o'clock, the far northern suburbs. And it's going to be in and out of here in about three to four hours. So it's going to be tough to accumulate a lot, but, uh, this is a very active pattern. Um, if anybody was watching the, um, uh, Pebble Beach, Pro-Am Golf Tournament out in California. You know, they had some rain on Friday. Uh, they have some rain moving there today. And whenever you have a very active pattern on the West Coast, Seattle had almost 10 inches of snow Friday night into Saturday. That usually means wet weather for us. Uh, so a couple of things are going to be coming at us. Uh, the first part of the system today is going to produce a little bit of light snow. Then the system coming through California 
still has to move through the Sierra Nevada Mountains, uh, the Southern Rockies. When that happens, usually those systems kind of take an aim on the Midwest, and typically the rain-snow line uh, is somewhere between Rockford and St. Louis. It's usually the case uh, with these type of weather events. And when they start out three or four days uh, in advance advertising the possibility of the rain-snow line, everybody wants to know exactly where it is. Um, and we don't really know that for sure. Uh, so typically these things kind of wiggle a little bit. They go a little bit further north, a little bit further south. But the bottom line is, guys, we're in a very, very active pattern precipitation-wise. Uh, and today is actually the event that's going to be the least um, precipitation-wise from the standpoint of accumulating snow. We have one coming through uh, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon uh, into Tuesday, and then another one that's going to kind of come through Thursday night into Friday. Uh, but by the time we end up talking again next Sunday, we can easily see uh, maybe six to eight inches of snow on the ground or wow. maybe more so more in the way of rain. Wow. Uh, that would be that would actually be uh, good because uh, right now it makes me... Which one, the snow or the rain? Uh, the snow. I want the snow oh, okay. because it makes me nervous when I look at the ground and I see it's bare and it's really and it's freezing and it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard on plants. Um, and and I would love to see more snow cover as a mulch. So uh, are we? Well, get- you know what? One of the good things, Mike, is, is since you're going in that direction, uh, the track of the latest guidance from this morning and last night does take the system uh, tomorrow a little bit further south. So my thinking now is more like a two to four inch snow from Chicago northward up into Wisconsin. Uh, and the run from last night and this morning is consistent with the Friday event uh, being a little more further south. And, and that's the case. Um, southern areas of Wisconsin could easily see a foot and a half, while we, we may be seeing wow. somewhere close to 6 to 10. Wow. Bottom line, though, we're not going to get back into a real warm pattern anytime soon. So if you like the snow, if you like the frozen ground, You'll like the forecast <laughs> at least for the next two weeks. Well, I know you do, and you're hoping you can get out there on the skis yeah, again, right? Yeah, all oh, the snow is terrible. It's uh, it's either it's either been here or up north in northern areas of Illinois and southern Wisconsin. It's basically frozen. So uh, this is about as as bad as you can get from a standpoint of trying to enjoy winter weather. Uh, we're getting into the middle of February. The sun is up till five fifteen. This is the kind of day that yeah. if you did have snow on the ground and it was five in the afternoon, you could still get in maybe a half hour run of cross country skiing. And, Hopefully, we'll be able to do that next weekend. Okay. Uh, we're hearing the music. It's time to go. We'll look forward to some snow this week. My plants will be very, very happy. Thanks, Rick DeMaio. We'll, Thanks, talk, Rick. To you. we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care, Peg. All right. I want to thank all the folks on the show today, including Dave Story from Bartlett Tree Experts. Um, of course, Jessica Chipkin from Cratefree, Illinois. Josh Richards of Grassroots. Uh, coordinator for uh, Humane League, uh, Chris Peterson. Um, have we forgotten anybody? I think that it's Andrew and Ellie. Well, Andrew and Ellie, until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 